to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. In the last episode, we talked about what a leaky gut is and the problems that it can cause. And just to reiterate those, it can cause so many systemic problems because what we know is that what goes on in your gut doesn't just stay in your gut. Your gut communicates with your immune system and your brain. And when particles of bacteria, other organisms, or food fragments that aren't supposed to cross into the immune system rich layers of your intestine or into your circulatory system do cross over, they can trigger chronic low level or even massive immune system and inflammatory reactions, leading from problems ranging from changes in your mood like anxiety and depression to autoimmune diseases like Hashimoto's, rheumatoid arthritis, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, and celiac disease, celiac disease ulcerative colitis and Crohn's, of course, can also cause leaky gut. And leaky gut can cause hives, allergies, food intolerances, all of the system symptoms that are associated with those. And chronic inflammation can be a major reason why it's tough to lose stubborn weight. And when you're overweight, that can lead to its own host of problems, insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, and even heart disease. And one of the things I didn't mention in the last episode is this chronic low-lying inflammation is a big trigger of something we call brain fog. That feeling that your thinking isn't quite clear, your memory isn't quite working the way it used to, and you can't focus the way you want to. So it's really important to heal a leaky gut because when your gut lining is disrupted, there's another major thing that happens, which is you can't absorb your nutrition well. So just by having a leaky gut, you can end up with nutritional problems. Leaky gut also leads to damage in your microbiome, which leads to a whole host of problems, many of which are similar to the ones that I've mentioned for leaky gut, because those two typically go hand in hand. Now, leaky gut is a huge problem I see in my practice. I would say I'm guessing, but I would guess that about 70% of my patients who come to me with chronic health problems do have a leaky gut. And why is this so common? Well, partly the causes are so common and they have to do with our Western way of living. Antibiotics are a major trigger for leaky gut, probably the biggest trigger. And we know that of all the antibiotics that are given, 70% of them are not needed. They're inappropriately given. But it's not just antibiotics, it's other medications like NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs that include ibuprofen and similar medications that contain it like Aleve and Motrin. We also know that Proton pump inhibitors can affect the gut. Tylenol affects the gut. But it's not just that. It's the day-to-day -day common exposures that we're getting. For example, about 10 different major food additives, including preservatives, as well as herbicides and pesticides that come along with our food, can affect our gut lining. Stress can affect our gut lining. So much of day-to-day -day life that is kind of like a runaway train in the way we live right now can have an impact on our gut lining. So you want to make sure that, of course, you're reducing stress and cleaning up your diet as much as you possibly can and afford to. There are some great resources for eating well on a budget and uh, one of my favorite resources for learning how to eat organic affordably and knowing what you can avoid 
eating organic because it's less harmful is the Environmental Working Group, Clean 15 and Dirty Dozen. You can access that over at ewg.org. There are also some big things you can do to heal a leaky gut. And if you're struggling with the symptoms that I talked about or the medical conditions that I talked about, chances are that you do have a leaky gut. And the good news is that healing it is safe to do. It's pretty easy to do, generally affordable. And it's something you can try for six to 12 weeks and see if you get improvement. Of course, you can work with an integrative or functional medicine physician, a naturopathic doctor, or other licensed practitioner who can help you with this, but it's also something that you can reasonably try on your own. Now, the one caveat to that is that except for the removing things, a lot of this you can't do while you're pregnant, but you can do it while you're breastfeeding. I'll tell you along the way what you can and can't do while you're pregnant. So the plan that I use, and I didn't make this up, this is something that comes from the naturopathic world. We use it a lot in the integrative and functional worlds, which are really all the same. And I'm going to do a podcast for you on understanding the differences in these different modalities. But basically, we're all using the same sort of set of tools. And what's different, maybe who's licensed to do what or what some of the core philosophies or architecture that allows us to think through our assessment of our patients is, but we all use this four R's for gut healing. And the four R's are removing the triggers, replacing what's missing for a healthy digestive system, re-inoculating your gut flora, and repairing the intestinal lining. And we're going to talk about each of those very systematically right now. So the removing the triggers, including the bacterial overgrowth, this is the stage in which if you have bacterial overgrowth, and I'm going to do an upcoming podcast on bacterial overgrowth, so you can know more about that. But symptoms of bacterial overgrowth are gas, bloating, frequent loose stools, knowing that you have candida or yeast overgrowth is a definite sign that you have bacterial overgrowth. Oh, that's yeast, not bacteria technically. And so this phase, removing the triggers is where you're also going to reduce this bacterial overgrowth. And the way to remove the triggers, and there are four big fat gut triggers in the form of medications, are if you can, getting off of any unnecessary antibiotics and really avoiding their overuse. And so just for example, if you get chronic urinary tract infections, you want to find another way to prevent and treat those than taking Cipro and Macrobid every month or every few months. If you get chronic bronchitis and your doctor is putting you on antibiotics, it's really important to find out whether you truly need them because most cases of bronchitis don't need antibiotics. Most of the infections we're being treated for don't need antibiotics. So really talking with your doctor or other provider who's prescribing them to find out when you do and don't need them is super important and try to avoid them whenever you can. Now, this is also a rallying cry for going organic in your meat. I really understand going organic for everything can be cost prohibitive, but 80% of all antibiotics that are produced in the United States are going into the meat industry. They're going into the meats that we eat not because they're preventing animals from getting infections, but because antibiotics make cattle grow fat faster. They also make us grow fat faster. So if you're taking a lot of antibiotics, they can be contributing to weight problems. They do this by impacting your microbiome and changing what's growing in there and shifting what's growing in favor of of organisms that actually extract more calories from your food. And they also cause inflammation, which makes you retain weight or makes you gain weight. So antibiotics out. And if you're going to invest in your health, which I really hope you will, one place that's really important to invest if you are eating meat or dairy has to be organic 
grass-fed, keep that really clean. The three other big of the big four medications are the NSAIDs, which I mentioned, Tylenol, and proton pump inhibitors like Prilosec. If you have reflux, there are other ways to treat it. If you have chronic aches and pains, you get period pain, please see my website for alternative things that you can do for chronic pain. And specifically, I have a blog on alternatives to to ibuprofen, which is really important. So remove the big four. Also, any of the other triggers I mentioned, like I said, getting your stress under control, you know, the association between what's going on in our gut and what's going on in our mood is really so clear, even in our language, the things that we say, I feel it in my gut. That makes me sick to my stomach. I have butterflies in my gut. It's scaring me poopless, I'll say. You know what I mean? If you have kids, I know a lot of you listen with kids. So I I try to keep this G-rated whenever I can or give you a warning when I'm not. So if you know that you have things that trigger your gut, like you know that when something's coming up, it stresses you out and that changes the way your gut works. You're getting more loose stools. You have to go to the bathroom more often. If you're a student in a graduate program or undergraduate program and you know that taking tests stresses you out, try to learn some coping mechanisms and you can use your improvement in your gut symptoms to know how you're doing with improving your stress response. If you have gas, bloating, frequent loose stools, or other signs of dysbiosis, if you've been told that you have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO, or if you know you have problems with candida, you get yeast infections a lot, you've been pregnant and you've had group B strep, that's not candida, but it can tell you you have a problem with your vaginal flora. If you get uh, bacterial vaginosis or other vaginal infections, um, these are all signs, or if you get a lot of skin candida, you get a lot of fungal infections, this can all tell you that you have overgrowth in your intestine and you want to treat that. And it's time to then get rid of the quote unquote bad bugs. Now, studies have looked at medications versus herbal remedies for treating SIBO and have actually shown that the herbal remedies are as effective or more effective at reducing overgrowth of less friendly bugs than the medications, which is brilliant because anytime we can use herbs instead of pharmaceuticals, we're doing our bodies a favor. They don't breed resistance at this point. Uh, Maybe they could, but they're such complex chemicals that it's probably something we'll be able to rely on for a really long time before getting bacterial resistance to them. And they also work for fungal infections. The most effective of the herbs are golden seal or other herbs that contain berberine. So gold thread, coptis, um, Oregon grape. You might see some of these in formulas for treating bacterial overgrowth. Garlic and essential oils of oregano, thyme, and sage. Now, garlic is safe to use while you're pregnant, but all of these others are absolutely unsafe for baby. They can cause harm. So you cannot do this treatment while you're pregnant. You can remove the unnecessary medications. You can include a lot of herbs and spices in your diet, but you can't take these as supplements while you're pregnant. You have to wait till after. But doing things in your diet, like removing sugar, removing all processed carbohydrates. So processed starches, so white flour products, junk food, will lean your intestinal flora in the favor of the healthier varieties. And having a healthier microbiome can help heal your intestinal lining. Also, while you're pregnant, and we're going to talk about this in just a second, you can do an elimination diet. So what you can do is take out the common food triggers that can be causing intestinal inflammation. And the big ones 
are gluten and gluten cross reactives, especially corn. So gluten and corn and dairy products. And those are safe. You just want to make sure you're getting plenty of or adequate carbohydrates while you're pregnant and getting your calcium, your other nutrients that you would get from dairy. But you don't have to have dairy while you're pregnant. And you can certainly safely take it out for six weeks and see if some of your symptoms start to go down. Because one of the triggers that we want to remove here are food triggers. So again, just to reiterate, take out the gluten, take out the dairy, take out all processed foods, particularly processed carbohydrates or starches and take out all sugar. And that's going to really help your intestines start to heal because all of those are creating low-level chronic inflammation. Okay, so now that you've removed the food triggers for about 6 to 12 weeks, and what you can do is you'll watch for symptoms to get better. If your symptoms get better, you don't have to reintroduce those foods. If you want to reintroduce those foods, then you can add in a little bit of gluten, see how you react. Do symptoms come back? Do you feel a little pain in your joints? Do you notice your mood is changing? Do you get some gas and bloating? Are you just feeling less well? Are you feeling kind of inflammatory? If those symptoms are coming back, just take those things right out. If the symptoms don't come back, you might consider keeping those things in your diet, but pay close attention to whether symptoms creep back over days, weeks, and months, because it might not be that you react immediately. It might be a cumulative effect for you. Now, if you're going to use these herbs to remove these yeast and bacterial overgrowths, I recommend getting a proprietary blend. Get one of the blends that you can get at one of the major health food stores or online from a reliable company. It's going to be much more effective than trying to figure out how many golden seal capsules to take. And I'm really not comfortable with the idea of just sort of randomly taking internal essential oils, they can be harmful. So get a product that blends some of these different herbs together and essential oils together and take that as directed. I recommend taking it for six weeks as directed. It's usually two times a day or three times a day with meals and see how you feel. And then when you go off of it, if your symptoms are cleared, you're going to be doing the rest of this 4R program. Remember, we're still in the first R. You're going to keep doing it. Um, if your symptoms come back, it's reasonable to do another round for four weeks of these supplements, again, as long as you're not pregnant. If you're breastfeeding, of course, pay attention to how baby does. These are safe generally to take when you're breastfeeding, but some of these essential oils can get through to baby. So really pay attention. Is baby getting a rash? Is baby showing any digestive system symptoms or anything else that would be unusual? And when you are breastfeeding, I usually recommend only doing it for four weeks, one stretch at a time. So don't do it for six weeks while you're breastfeeding and don't repeat it for another four weeks. Whether or not you're breastfeeding, if you've gotten through the recommended round of it and you're still having symptoms, that's when you're going to want to consult with an integrative practitioner or a functional medicine practitioner. Because in some cases, medications, there are some antifungals for yeast overgrowth, there are some antibiotics, particularly one called rifaximin for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. But again, the studies for SIBO have shown that the herbs, these herbs that I've mentioned particularly today, are more effective. Um, so again, that's the remove phase. It's the foods, it's the medications, and it's removing the bacterial or yeast overgrowth. Phase two is the replace phase. And this is where you're going to replace digestive enzymes and boost your stomach acid. And usually this is done for anywhere from four weeks to 12 weeks, depending on the extent of your symptoms. And you take digestive enzymes in order to help 
If you have undigested food in your stool, if you have a lot of gas or bloating after meals, and they're taken at the start of each meal to coincide with when your body would naturally start to pump out these enzymes. I recommend getting a plant-based digestive enzyme product. So you're not getting digestive enzymes that are extracted from animal sources. These are just coming from plants like pineapple and papaya and other sources. And again, you take anywhere from one to three capsules. Most people are going to need about two capsules at the start of your meal. You don't need to take it with snacks usually, but just at the start of each meal and do it anywhere from four to 12 weeks. My experience is usually it takes about 12 weeks if your symptoms are, are pretty notable. And these can continue to be taken indefinitely. There's no reason that you can't just keep going if you're getting benefit or take them as needed. I tell a lot of my patients, you know what, throw them in your handbag, throw them in your backpack. And even if you're not taking them anymore, but you go to a party, you go somewhere where you might get exposed to some foods that you don't keep in your diet usually because they are triggers for you, but you just can't be sure you're going to avoid them. That's a great time to take them at the start of a meal to prevent symptoms from coming back. And these are very natural. Again, these are just plant enzymes. These are things our ancestors probably were getting by the nature of their foods, or were just naturally producing more effectively than we are because their ancestral diets didn't muck up their, and that was with an M, just keeping it PC here, muck up their intestines the way our lifelong use of antibiotics and other medications and our lifestyle and our food exposures have done to us. Now, I mentioned you're going to replace digestive enzymes. You're also going to boost stomach acid. Now, when you start to eat, the first thing that happens is you chew your food. So it's important to chew your food really well and get those digestive enzymes going in your mouth. The next place your food goes is down your esophagus. It's the tube that connects your mouth to your stomach and into your stomach, which is supposed to be a very highly acidic environment that helps to break down your food with a nice layer of mucus protection that protects your stomach lining itself from being damaged by the stomach acids that you're naturally producing. Unfortunately, a variety of factors, many of which I've mentioned, like the medications we use, chronic use of proton pump inhibitors. I mean, pediatricians and family doctors are giving Prilosec to four-week-olds and less for reflux, for vomiting. Not to say that some of these babies aren't having problems, but there are other ways to go about it. And these PPIs, what they do, they in proton pump inhibitors, they block your stomach acid production. So you're not getting the digestive effect that you need in your stomach. And what's happening is that food particles are not getting broken down. They're passing along into the next portion of your digestive system, your small intestine, where there, if you have leaky gut, these undigested food fragments are actually getting across and causing you a lot of the inflammatory problems that you're having. So if you're on a PPI, there are alternatives. I will do a podcast in the next probably month on alternatives to reflux that you can use. You want to avoid food triggers of reflux and you want to add in supplements that help to heal your digestive system, help keep that reflux down. But you also want to make sure that you're adding in support for replacing and repairing that ability of your body to produce digestive enzymes. So there are three major things that I use in my practice for doing this. One are herbal digestive bitters. These include a wide variety of herbs that have a bitter taste that you take at the start of your meal. And you can take them in a little bit of sparkling water, 
in plain water, or um, there are compounds that are made up. One of my, I usually don't name names of companies, but one of my favorite companies for digestive bitters is a company called Urban Moonshine. And they make wonderful products that you can, you can just take even by the teaspoon or take a dropper of, and they get the bitter taste gets your digestive juices going. You can actually feel it starting to happen. It gets your gallbladder activated. It gets your stomach going. It's a really great feeling and it gets your body ready to digest food. If you really just can't stand the bitter taste, you can get capsules and believe it or not, your digestive system has bitter taste buds, but you don't actually taste them, but you still can get the effect. But I don't consider those quite as effective as actually taking them in a liquid form and really, really tasting them. Another thing is eating your greens. And I didn't mention this earlier, but, um, well, I'll mention it in a minute when I talk about replacing gut flora, but eating green vegetables is so important for you. I'm talking about kale, collard greens, spinach, chard, bok choy, napa, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, uh, dandelion greens, because a lot of these have bitter components that get your digestive system going. We've kind of taken the bitter out of the standard American diet and we've replaced it with a lot of sweet and sugar, which has such a harmful effect on every aspect of our digestive system. But if we can get those bitter greens back into our diet, those also help your digestive system get going. So digestive bitters, another alternative, which you can do these either or, or you can do, you can do both is apple cider vinegar in water. Now, if you have problems with yeast overgrowth, this might not be the thing for you, but everyone else, you can do this one to two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar in water at the beginning of each meal. And this can also get your digestive system really revved up and going. Now, you cannot really do the digestive bitters if you're pregnant, but you can while you're breastfeeding, but anyone else can do the apple cider vinegar. And finally, you can actually supplement with something called betaine, HCL. It's a replacement stomach acid. It is, in my opinion, safe to take one at the start of each meal when you're pregnant, if you're having significant problem with SIBO or leaky gut or digestive problems but it's not proven safe during pregnancy. So I would say start with the apple cider vinegar and before you try it during pregnancy, go ahead and talk with your midwife or your physician. But for everyone else, and you can do this while you're breastfeeding, you start with one pill at the beginning of the meal. They usually contain about 650 milligrams of betaine and you increase by one at each meal to a maximum of three if needed. The way you know that you're getting enough is that your stomach starts to feel a little bit warm. If you get a burning sensation in your stomach, that dose should be decreased by one pill. So if you were taking one and you feel like, yeah, it's not enough at the beginning of my meal, you can go up to two. But if you get to two and you feel a burning sensation, then your dose is actually one. Now, if you take one and you get a burning sensation, this is not the supplement for you. As your body starts to produce more of its own stomach acid, you'll be able to decrease the dose. And I usually recommend taking it from anywhere from one to two months. If you need it for more than that, that may not be unreasonable, but that's when you should be working with an integrative or functional practitioner who can help guide you in that. And if you do suffer from reflux that's requiring you to take one of these acid medications, consider DGL, licorice, one to three chewable tablets or capsules between meals, and zinc carnosine, 30 milligrams daily to help heal gastric inflammation. You cannot do DGL licorice while you're pregnant. 
you can do it while breastfeeding. Now, phase three is re-inoculating your gut flora. And in this phase, you really, as I mentioned, want to eat a wide variety of dark leafy green vegetables, as well as fermented vegetables to repopulate the good gut flora. Kimchi is a good one. Kombucha, I do not include as a fermented vegetable. It's usually not lacto-fermented and it actually does have sugar and some alcohol content too. So when I'm talking about fermented vegetables, I'm talking about sauerkraut, kimchi, naturally fermented, lacto-fermented vegetables. You also want to get a lot of fiber in your diet. You have to have anywhere from 25 to 40 grams of good quality fiber from plant sources in your day to serve as the food for your microbiome. You have to have a healthy microbiome to have to heal leaky gut and to prevent leaky gut. So you can get that by eating four or more cups of green leafy vegetables every day. And you can also get two tablespoons of fresh ground flaxseed in your diet every day. You can throw that in a morning smoothie. You can sprinkle that onto a salad, but that will give you quite a bit of fiber to help serve as good food for important healthy gut flora. Now, one of the steps in re-inoculating your gut is to take a probiotic. You want to take one that contains at least 10 billion colony forming units a day that contains a variety of lactobacillus and bifidobacterium strains to help restore the normal balance of your gut flora and to repair your gut barrier function. I recommend taking them daily for a couple of months and then backing down to a few days each week if you're feeling like you're continuing to find them helpful. Now, if adding a probiotic causes you gassiness or bloating, start with a lower dose and focus on treating the bacterial overgrowth through that remove, that first phase that I mentioned. Usually they only cause a problem when you have a lot of bacterial overgrowth already. You can also consider adding in prebiotics. These are starches that are found in garlic, onions, asparagus, Jerusalem artichokes, and oats. And also you can get them in the form of pre-made supplements, either from those vegetable sources that I mentioned, or from larch arabinogalactans. That's a starch that's in trees. And the dose is usually four to 10 grams a day. If you're constipated, you go at that higher end of the dose. If you're not, you can go at that lower end of the dose. And those are often found in combination gut healing products that you can find on the market that also contain probiotics or that contain some of the herbs that I'm about to mention for the repair phase, which is the final phase that we're talking about. Now, your intestinal lining is renewed about every five days. There's a huge amount of changeover. So you can really do a great effective job in just four to 12 weeks of healing your gut lining. Now, if you have celiac disease, very severe leaky gut, Um, ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, it can take much longer. It can take three months, six months, 12 months. Usually by 12 months, you're knowing whether you're healing. And I've had patients with ulcerative colitis, for example, go back in for endoscopy after six months and have either no progression or healing of their lesions just from following this program. But you do need to do it longer if you have a more severe case like that. So there are three primary supplements that I use for healing the gut, along with making sure that your diet is rich in antioxidant vitamins like A, C, and E, as well as the mineral selenium. You can also, and I usually recommend just taking a multivitamin supplement 
because they're going to have these in this to make sure that you're getting the extra you need for healing. So you need more than just your day-to-day diet provides. You also need enough for healing. But remember, a supplement is just that. It's a supplement for not a replacement for a good diet. So add in a multivitamin, lots of antioxidant-rich fruits and vegetables, particularly berries, because you don't want to get too much fruit when you have leaky gut because it actually can cause some overgrowth of bacteria and gas and bloating. So focus on your vegetables for your antioxidants. And then the three primary supplements I mentioned are curcumin, which comes from turmeric, or turmeric itself. When using turmeric to heal a leaky gut, the dose is anywhere from 2 to 10 grams of the powdered spice every day. You can throw it into your smoothie. You can make turmeric tea. There are some nice tea recipes and you can add it into your cooking as well. But getting as much of it raw when you're trying to heal your gut is optimal. And two to 10 grams is not that much. 10 grams is about two teaspoons. So two grams is really closer to half a teaspoon. You don't have to get a ton of it. You can also use curcumin, which is an active ingredient extracted from turmeric and you can use it in addition to or separate from alternative to the turmeric if you just don't like the turmeric in your diet. And the dose is usually 1,200 to 2,400 milligrams a day. Zinc carnosine is an important form of zinc to supplement. And you don't want to get more than about 60 milligrams max of zinc a day. So you want to look at what's in your multi and then the dose of zinc carnosine is 30 milligrams a day. For most people, honestly, over 30 milligrams a day, they might not feel that great. You can get some intestinal symptoms. So my usual dosing with my patients is about 30 milligrams of total zinc a day. So look at what's in your multivitamin and make up the difference with the zinc carnosine. So you could get 15 milligrams of zinc carnosine and then the rest of the zinc from your multi, for example. And the zinc is really effective for healing the intestinal lining, including stomach ulcers, ulcers from ulcerative colitis, lesions from Crohn's disease, and also leaky gut and just chronic inflammation. And then finally, L-glutamine is an amino acid that nourishes and heals the intestinal lining. And the dose of that for adults is five to 10 grams of powder twice a day for at least a month. Now, there's some other herbs that I also include when I'm working with my patients. And I typically actually include these as teas or in um, powdered form. And those are marshmallow root and licorice root. The reason I like to use them in teas or infusions is because you're really bathing your intestinal lining top to bottom when you when you drink them down with that liquid. But if you're just if you don't love the tea or for some reason you have high blood pressure or you can't use licorice in tea form, you can get the DGL form of the licorice. And with the marshmallow root, it's usually two capsules, two to three times a day, or making an infusion of the tea, you would use about two tablespoons of a combination of the marshmallow root and the licorice root to one pint of water. You pour boiling water over them, cover up your jar. I recommend using a mason jar for steeping it, but you can do it in a teapot as well. Let it sit for actually about an hour and then strain it out. And the dose would be about half a cup to one cup twice a day. You can use the marshmallow root and the turmeric while you're pregnant, although there aren't good studies on it while you're pregnant, if you're really having a lot of inflammation, particularly if you have ulcerative colitis or Crohn's, you can consider this as a safer alternative if you're trying to avoid steroid and other medications while you're pregnant. But of course, talk with your rheumatologist or gastroenterologist before switching off of a medication for an autoimmune disease to use this. 
And then if you're pregnant, uh, I don't recommend the L-glutamine powder, but you can do the zinc. And of course, your multivitamin should also have vitamins A, C, E, and selenium. So to just summarize really quickly, and you can look at the written version of my blog for all this information, you're going to remove the triggers and the bacterial overgrowth by taking processed foods and sugar, gluten, and dairy out of your diet, any of the big four medications that I mentioned, and using the herbs to reduce bacterial overload. You're going to replace digestive enzymes and boost stomach acid using digestive enzymes, bitters, apple cider vinegar, or betaine. And if you suffer from reflux, you're going to take those triggers out of your diet and consider DGL licorice or zinc carnosine, but more to come in a reflux blog and podcast and more to come in a SIBO podcast and blog as well. You're going to re-inoculate your gut flora, providing your body with good fiber and good green leafy vegetables, as well as taking a probiotic and possibly a prebiotic. And finally, you're going to repair your gut lining with using herbs like curcumin, marshmallow root and licorice, zinc, L-glutamine, and antioxidants like vitamins A, C, and E. Now, you can use this protocol with children. I usually recommend five and over unless I'm working with them directly, and then I do use it in younger children. And you want to, of course, adjust all the doses. A quick rule for adjusting doses for kids is to take their weight in pounds Put it over the number 150 as a fraction. So let's say they weigh 50 pounds, your child weighs 50 pounds, then you're putting that over 150, your fraction would be one third, right? Getting down to the common denominator. So your child's dose would be approximately one third of the adult dose. That's not a hard and fast rule, but I know there are a lot of kids out there struggling with leaky gut. If you want to know more about the specifics of healing leaky gut in kids, please refer over to my website for children's health specifically. I have lots of blogs on my main website, but I actually have a course called The Allergy Epidemic, and that's at www.healthiestkids.com. And that will focus on teaching you specifically how to do an elimination diet that works with kids because you can't just take everything out of their diet and how, how to heal leaky gut. If you have found this helpful or think somebody else you know or love would find it helpful, please share it with a friend. And also please make sure to leave a comment on iTunes. That's how iTunes knows to spread the love. So lots of other folks get this. And as you heard me say in the beginning, the conditions that leaky gut causes are everything from anxiety and depression to autoimmune disease. So we really want to get a handle on this. And it's a huge problem for so, so, so many people. Thanks for listening. It's always a pleasure to be with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.